Hello, my name is Steve Horvath. I'm a professor at UCLA. I would like to talk today about our two articles describing DNA methylation based analysis of telomere length. So for a very long time, we and others have wondered whether there are epigenetic connections or determinants of telomere length, and there is quite some literature on that. However, in our recent paper that just appeared in the issue of aging, we um, went further and asked whether we can estimate telomere length based on blood methylation data. And so Akelu built a new epigenetic biomarker that estimates telomere length. Now, she will talk about it in a couple of minutes, but just to tell you, Although this methylation-based estimate uh, of telomere length has only a moderate correlation with telomere length, maybe around between 0.3 and 0.7, so it's a moderate correlation, it actually captures many of the desirable properties of telomere length. So, for example, it is a much better predictor of lifespan than telomere length. It's a much better predictor of time to cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. It also relates more strongly to lifestyle factors such as smoking and obesity. So in many aspects, it is greatly superior to telomere length per se. Having said this, it doesn't replace telomere length measurements because mm -hmm. it it does not measure telomere length per se. Um, and that was revealed by in vitro studies from Ken Raj, who is part of our research team. And he simply proved that in fibroblasts or other cell culture systems, the methylation-based estimator is different from the telomere length measurement. Stepping back, we were wondering whether there are individual CPGs on the DNA that correlate strongly with telomere length. And that research was done by Yunsung Lee and Anil, who will talk in a few minutes. And the short answer is there's a huge correlation between methylation in general and telomere length. But this is actually due to confounding, due to changes in blood cell composition. Certain blood cell types have shorter telomeres than others. But the interesting finding was that even after you corrected for differences in blood cell composition, we still found almost a thousand locations in the genome that are um, yeah. very significantly associated with telomere length. So overall, these two papers really link um, methylation and telomere biology. Having said this, I want to mention that um, our epigenetic clocks um, in general only exhibit a weak correlation. Okay, If you take, uh, for example, our epigenetic clocks that applies to all tissues, the pan tissue clock, or even if you take Arke's more, more recent biomarker called GrimAge, these um, have very low almost non-significant correlations with telomere length. So don't think that methylation clocks are the same as a telomere measurement. However, what we do claim is that we have a wonderful new 
epigenetic biomarker for estimating telomere length. And I think the broader research community will find it very useful, um, especially when it comes to epidemiological research, possibly uh, human clinical trials. So it, it is yet another epigenetic biomarker that um, could be very helpful for assessing the beneficial effect of anti-aging interventions or to investigate various stress factors from obesity or other stress factors. Um, so with this introduction, I'll stop and introduce Ake Lu, who is a project scientist, and she developed this new biomarker that we call DNA methylation telomere length. And Ake, do you want to say a few words how you constructed it? And Oh, yes. Thank you. Steve and like Steve, uh, my name is Akeru and uh, I work in Steve Hovai's uh, group. So in order to use DNA methylation array to predict glucose uh, telomere length, we have 3,300 individuals for our training and the test data set. Um, all individuals, they are available for leukocyte telomere length measured based on TRF, terminal restriction fragment. And the, to build our new biomarker, we apply, like Steve said, we apply machine learning methods, penalized regression model. Uh, our final model is only composed of of 140 CPG sites. Those CPG sites tend to be located near telomere regions. And we are very excited for this new biomarker because the new biomarker is quite accurate. The, let me add some details. The correlation between the, our new biomarker and the, the TRF based telomere uh, length is 0.6 in our training data set, <clears throat> and the, the correlation is 0.4 in our test data set. We also, the new biomarker outperformed the old one in terms of aging studies. Uh, for example, the correlation between our new biomarker and the age is minus 0.75. Uh, is stronger than the correlation between age and uh, the telomere length based on the TRF method, which the, in which the correlation is minus 0.35. So also compared to old uh, method, we discover our new biomarker has better performance in predicting risk for mortality tend to this and the other age-related conditions like a tend to coronary heart disease. Uh, here, I also want to uh, emphasize this new biomarker is very sensitive to detect the impact of smoking on telomere length. We used um, 4,000 individuals and uh, discovered that the association between our new biomarker and the smoking history was very strong. Uh, the p-value was uh, is very small, one times 10 to minus 17. But the p-value is 0.03 for the association between the older one and the, the smoking history. So Meaning what, the telomere length. Yeah, yes, so telomere uh, length has a p-value 0.03 and um, 
Whereas uh, your biomarker was 10 to the minus 17, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah so, in the main yeah. analysis yeah. over, over right. yeah. And roughly you lose 20 base pairs per smoking pack year if based on our new biomarker for telomere length. Also, uh, very exciting, we validated the new biomarker in 10,000 individuals uh, across different studies. We observe pretty much the same result. Uh, for example, our new biomarker is associated with mortality, heart disease, age at menopause, and the majors of physical functioning, diet, and years of education all are in very uh, expected direction. I give you an example. Alpha and the beta carotene is good to maintain your DNA isolation-based telomere length. But I, I, think, I think that connection with the age of menopause is really interesting because yeah. and mm -hmm. one of the things that we are trying to do here in Norway, in our group here, is to see whether you know, women who give birth to their first child at a later age or those who have a delayed menopause, whether these women have longer telomere length or not. So your biomarker is going to be seriously interesting to test on those data sets. We're soon going to be able to, to test these on about 6,000 individuals. So that's going to be interesting to do. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So yeah. I predict that the finding you obtain for the methylation-based surrogate of telomere length will be more significant than the one you get from actual mean TRF yeah. values, you know, yeah. but based on Arke's uh, mm -hmm. paper. Based on you know, our so, study, but, yes. But you will have the data to test that hypothesis, <laughs> you know, so. I would gladly like to do that. Yeah. I would like yeah, to yeah. propose this as a better measure. You know, we are all interested in, in the uses of different, you know, different uh, biological clocks. So this was this is going to be a, a, a you know, right push in the direction that we want to go. Yes. Yeah. yeah I hope Anil, do you want to introduce yourself and why don't you take it <laughs> over? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. so, so Ryan, thank you for this invitation to participate in this Skype meeting. I'm a senior scientist here at the Norwegian Institute of and I have an affiliation with the University of Bergen as well. And my main interest here uh, is to look at different indices of biological age. And one of those is obviously telomere length in leukocytes because of its convenience. You know, we have uh, quite a huge biobank here uh, in Norway where we've sampled, you know, uh, trios, mother-child, father-trios, uh, about 100,000 mothers and 100,000 babies and 100,000 uh, father. So we have uh, amazing resources to test things that are probably not possible elsewhere in the world. So I have been the PI or the co-PI on several grants right now where we're looking at telomere length, we're looking at DNA methylation, we're looking at you know, different ratios of immune cell types to see whether, you know, some certain women have a younger immune status versus an older immune status and trying to connect all these dots to build a cohesive story. So we were very lucky to have been introduced to Steve's work and uh, Akalu's work on, uh, you know, uh, gene methylation, on biological age and LTL. So, uh, 
we are trying to build a portfolio of studies looking at these things specifically. So my enthusiasm for what you found uh, is cannot be understated because we really would like to put these biomarkers to use in our larger data sets once we've, uh, yeah. we've gathered them. Yeah. So that's where I come in. Basically, I'm a, gen I'm a geneticist by training, uh, and I'm interested in looking at you know uh, late-onset diseases, uh, testing maybe finally the Barker hypothesis that we've uh, thought so much about, and maybe the Barker hypothesis being an expression of DNA methylation at some level. So things like that would be very interesting to test out. So, Anil, what's your the age distribution in your new collection, in your new so, study? So we, we have different age groups, and one of the, uh, so Yunsuk's been doing that work uh, mm -hmm. since the beginning, so we have different age categories, it's from 18 to 35 plus, so we've uh, been able to classify these women into different age groups, because our interest is to look at LTL as a marker, uh, well, now we might be able to look at DNA and LTL, <laughs> but the reason why we're interested in doing that is to see whether those women who give birth at a later age have a higher propensity to have a second kid, whether that makes them more fertile versus their peers. So that's one reason why we really want to look at this in different age groups and then run some kind of a sort of, well, an event history analysis type of thing, you know, for to check whether there's a higher probability for these women with presumably longer LTL to have a higher chance of having a child, mm -hmm. a second child, you know. Child. And there are lots of different variables to be looking at here, but I think this mm -hmm. is quite a simplistic picture of what we would like to do with mm -hmm. this. Uh, we meant to, to look at female fecundity in particular. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I think also our other epigenetic clocks obviously should be carefully looked at in that context, you know, so um, mm -hmm. because there, is, uh, there are some um, associations that could support this hypothesis, you know, that um, epigenetic aging relates to um, certainly age at menopause, you know, and um, right. yeah. but uh, Yunsung, do you want to introduce yourself yeah. and talk about your paper that will come out in a couple of days? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Hi, my name is Yu Song Lee. I'm a PhD student to Anil Jibisu at the Norwegian Institute of Public Health. I visited uh, Steve Hobart's lab at UCLA for six months from last November 2018 to yeah. April 2019 this year. It was an amazing opportunity for me. So um, my paper was um, looking at um, the individual LTL and CPG correlation using uh, seven different cohorts. The sample size was about 5,700-ish. So uh, what we did is we conducted um, EWAS of LTL, basically. So um, we first stratified the uh, seven different cohorts into 16 different strata. So um, after that, we adjusted LTL for age and um, white blood cell counts. And um, we conducted EWAS of LTL in each of the 16 different strata separately. And we combined this EWAS results into one meta-analysis using Stouffer method. So um, to this end, we uh, identified uh, 823 different CPG sites that are significantly associated with LTL after adjusting 
age, sex, ethnicity, and white blood cell counts. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and then we also wanted to uh, run a functional gene enrichment analysis because some props are not like more dense in a specific genes than the other. So uh, in order to compensate this kind of bias, uh, we had to run a GREAT analysis, which is developed by Stanford University. And uh, we found that these 823 uh, CPG sites were near the genes that plays a role uh, in uh, circadian rhythm and blood coagulation and wound healing. So, um, yeah, um, on top of the ARCIS finding, uh, we believe that this, uh, this 823 CPG sites are a very uh, valuable finding for uh, um, leukocyte telomere length biology and uh, DNA methylation. So, yeah, this is my explanation so far. <laughs> yeah, um, just to echo what Jung-Sung mentioned, one novelty of his study was that he looked at different strata defined by ethnicity, race, and gender, you know, or mm -hmm. sex. So, in certain ways, we could ask the question whether CPGs that correlate strongly with telomere length, let's say, in men, whether they also correlated to telomere length in women. Mm -hmm. And um, more precisely, we can um, stratify by um, ethnic group. We can say, do telomere, these associations that we find, for example, in men of European ancestry, how do they correlate to men of African ancestry? Okay. And overall, we found pretty good agreement, you know, so which makes sense. Um, one would think that these associations are actually highly conserved across different genders and ethnic backgrounds. But there was one curious finding which um, we couldn't quite explain, which is when we compared all of the strata that we mentioned, um, the findings for women of African ancestry mm -hmm. were uh, different, you know, and uh, I want to emphasize these are women who live in the US, but they have African ancestry. Mm -hmm. And so our top um, CPGs, our top locations in the genome that relate to telomere length in women of African ancestry, they don't agree with the top findings in other groups. And we were puzzled by it. What makes it a curious finding is that when we looked at men of African ancestry, the findings were quite consistent with those of European ancestry and other mm -hmm. groups. Yeah. So there was really something different for women of African ancestry. This could simply be a statistical artifact. We never know. But it's not one of the obvious things you would think of. So it's not a sample size issue. You know, It's not that we had fewer samples for this group. Also, it is actually well known that People of African ancestry have longer telomeres than people of European ancestry. Mm -hmm. And to remind everyone, longer telomeres are good news. So in certain ways, uh, people of African ancestry have, in certain ways, a, a genetic advantage because they have longer telomeres. Again, this, this finding would not explain these differences that we observed for the relationship to, telo uh, to methylation data. Mm -hmm. 
And so we, we had quite a few internal discussions, but we just couldn't solve that mystery. And we kind of reported so that others can study in much greater detail. And also, as Jung mentioned, it was kind of interesting that his top EBOS hits relate to circadian rhythm, you know. And so now the problem is we don't know the direction of the associations, what, you know. So, for example, you could imagine that uh, people whose circadian rhythm is disrupted, who don't sleep well enough, they might have health problems, which then affect telomeres in one way or another. And and at the same time, it could affect methylation. Sorry, sorry Steve. The, yeah. the story with, you know, uh, sleeping less and being more stressed ties very well into the story we're trying to build here, too, in connection to LTL. Because we know that, uh, you know, certain women who, let's say, particularly women, who would, let's say, smoke more than their peers, or would have more ex oxidative stress, you know, okay. either during pregnancy or otherwise. I mean, those women, combined with the fact that they are more stressed, might be releasing more free radicals in their system through the mitochondria, for example. And so the connection between oxidative stress via the mitochondria mm -hmm. and LTL, the length of LTL, it, you, you can you can already see some kind of connection here with in relation to circadian rhythm. If the fact that they sleep less and they are you know they have stress hormones, they you know a little bit more stress than their peers, that might be reflected in something like that. I would I would suppose you know, and I don't have data to show it, but um, this is one of the things that we are going to be to be looking at in more detail at some point. Yeah. I wanted to raise another topic. So Jungsung's article is not the first paper that looked at the relationship between methylation and telomere length, but his paper is by far the largest study. Okay. But I want to briefly comment on earlier paper, as I said, that uh, involved far fewer people. Um, so people reported that um, an interesting finding, which is that cytosines located in sub telomeric regions, mm -hmm. they tend to be associated with telomere length, okay? And that's a, bi biologically speaking, that's a beautiful finding. However, if we are honest about it, we didn't quite replicate it. And so Yunsung looked at this uh, in great detail. Yunsung, do you want to comment on it? Um, yeah. yeah, actually, uh, we ran a sub-telomeric regions um, we, we ran analysis in the DNA methylation in subterminary regions because of the previous findings. But uh, we couldn't really find the interesting association. In the, in the subterminary region, uh, we've got 17% of positive um, correlation. But in non-subterminary region, we got just 9.9. There, there are many different uh, aspects we have to think about because First one is the inter-CPG correlation may differ between non-subtolomeric and subtolomeric region. And another point is uh, we cannot really dichotomize the telomere, uh, subtelomeric region and non-subtelomeric region. Uh, in my analysis, I define subtelomeric region as a 10% of each ending point. However, uh, it can be like 15 or 18 or it really depends on each person's decision. And the third point is uh, our LTL measurement is average across the all entire uh, chromosomes. 
So um, if there might be some correlation between DNA methylation and LTL, then it'll make more sense for us to just look at the LTL for specific um, chromosomes. And uh, we, we correlate this LTL at a specific chromosome with a specific um, DNA methylation in subtelomeric regions. So um, these are uh, three obstacles I faced at the time. Uh, the data on these cohorts were you know, either qPCR or mm. sudden blood LTL measurements, right? Yes, that's but, right. But uh, currently there are techniques to do that, you know, to look at the, the shortest length of mm. telomeres in, you know, in a batch, in a, in a sample. It's called the Tesla method. Yes, just to echo that point, we had access really to over 10,000 samples, um, mm -hmm. certainly methylation data and also telomere samples. Now, the most of these telomere measurements were performed using southern blotting um, by R.V. Abraham's lab at Rutgers, but also we had data from um, telomere measurements based on PCR-based methods. Mm -hmm. And we analyzed data from the Framingham Heart Study, the Women's Health Initiative, Jackson Heart Study, the Italian Inchianti Study, Lothian Birth Cohorts in Scotland, Twins UK, Bogalusa Heart Study, you can see a large number of cohorts. These cohorts are obviously employed available technology, um, PCR-based methods, southern blotting. Yeah. And yes, in the future, people should really use more advanced ways of measuring telomere length to revisit these studies. You know. Having said this, the big picture is both of these papers actually link these two hallmarks of aging, methylation changes and also telomere length measurements. It's clear there's a very strong relationship. What we didn't do and which should be done in the future are mechanistic studies. What drives these relationships? You know, Do epigenetic changes precede changes in telomere length or the other way around? You know? And um, we don't know. Now, in Yunsung's paper, um, we highlight several genes that seem to be related to telomere length according to these methylation studies, you know. And so, again, people should really carefully look at these genes. Mm -hmm. uh, another, another point, uh, maybe that's something that Aku could be looking at later on, you know, the, the difference between these uh, women of African uh, origin, ancestry, compared to the European ones, you know, the fact that the African ancestry women differ so significantly from the other groups that uh, we compared. I mean, I'm wondering whether the use of the DNA MTL, you know, mm -hmm. would would predict or would have a difference in prediction for the African origin women. Would you uh, we look at we look at the DNA MTL in women and uh, in like a different ethnic group, but. I, we can say like uh, we confirm women have longer DMTL sure. and uh, African have longer DMTL, but I didn't really focus on just the subgroup women in with African African women. That part I didn't really uh, look at specifically, but our model kind of like uh, have the same property of the major telomere lens, like a longer telomere lens in African and in women. 
I was just wondering whether that, you know, you'd also see something completely out of work when you use DNAM on your, you know, on these women. Uh, I don't know. I don't know you know, I, I mean, I, I doubt it. I'm sure we, uh, <laughs> I doubt it. You know, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, look at it, but I, I severely doubt it. You know. So we're, sti- we're sticking to the statistical artifact story? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else will investigate it. Yeah. Sure, sure. Right. The other thing I wanted to mention is RK did a comparison to our other epigenetic clocks, right? For, as you may know, Arke developed the so-called DNA methylation GRIM-H clock, which is our best predictor of lifespan and health span. And she compared it to DNMTL. And, um, and what we found is that, yes, the GRIM-H clock is actually a better predictor of lifespan, you know? Now, the telomere length measure is still valuable because it really relates to a different aspect of biology. You know, it relates to telomere biology. Um, However, if you simply want to predict lifespan, you know, based on a blood measurement, the grim age clock would be better, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And so um, all of our um, biomarkers are actually implemented in our online software um, by the way, um, also the supplement of the telomere paper contains the CPG locations and coefficient values. So you, anybody can easily implement it in their lab. But I do want to point out we have an online software. It's on a server. And um, that server uses as input a subset of CPGs on the Illumina array and outputs all of our biomarkers, grim age, telomere length, skin and blood clock, imputed blood cell counts, and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anil, do you have some final words or RK? <laughs> uh, I, I think that, you know, those papers, I think, would be very interesting to the audience out there who are interested in similar kinds of things. I think this is moving the field forward, you know. So I think combined with the other projects that we have in the pipeline, I think this would give a pretty nice picture of what's happening. And we are very interested in the biology. So I have two more PhD students coming in and uh, honing their skills on, you know, dissecting what we're trying to find out here. So that's going to be a really interesting path forward, I think. Right. Good. Well, thank you so much, everyone. You can always email us. You can find us on web pages. And um, thank you for your interest. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.